Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm hosting today, James Vickers. You can find us on our Twitter page, which is at Championship Pod. I'm joined by Jake and Louis today. Guys, how are we doing? Yeah, I'm good, James. Uh, happy to be talking about football, even though it's not actually happening. But yeah, back back and trying to update everybody on on the endless confusion that, that's been caused by what is going on in the world. Yeah, and I'm similar to Jake, ready for football to return. Uh, I understand, you know, there is a pandemic and whether that happens or not. But, you know, there does look like there might be a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. So uh, when it does get up and running, I can't wait. Yeah, well, as you mentioned, Louis, guidelines have sort of roughly been set. Obviously, these change more or less each day. So by the time we put this episode out, it may have changed again. But as we're recording now, teams set to resume training on Saturday, May 25th with the the plan in place of resuming games around or on June the 12th. How do you two see that going? Do you think that that is too soon? Do you think that is going off, say, how Germany are doing it? We're obviously a few weeks behind, that it's sensible. What are your guys' sort of overall thoughts on this? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. I, I said on the, the uh, Premier League podcast a few days ago that, that I feel still a bit uneasy about it with, with the amount of, of it's just how serious the, the virus still is in this country. But at the end of the day, football to business has got to try and come back in some form. Um, and I think that the dates that have been given, uh, the government obviously said sport can, can think about coming back after June the 1st. Um, I think that the the championship, like the Premier League, need to start pretty quickly after that to, to finish the season. I don't think it can go on into August and September, even though that's what some people want. I think that you next season's got to to try and start when it should do. Otherwise, you're just going to have this constant lag. Um, so, yeah, I think it's the right thing to do to try and come back then. Um, I just hope that it's safe to do so. Um, I've, I've read a lot of things from players and managers um, that have contrasting views. But, um, you know, what it, it's quite probably quite right that it's, they're more likely to catch anything from, from a trip to the supermarket than they would be it, it, at the training ground, where I'm sure it will be quite a sterile environment. There'll be a lot of precautions set out. Um, a quick rundown of what the the BBC um, wrote this week uh, on the return of the championship, which which has got a few guidelines, which is that clubs must appoint a a COVID nineteen officer and draw up an operational policy, which players and staff must sign. Uh, twice weekly um, tests and temperature screenings for for players and a positive test means that the training group self isolates for fourteen days. So I assume a training group is probably four or five players. Uh, players must arrive, already changed and provide own drinks, no manual manual therapy or tactical sessions that don't require physical presence should be done by video conference. The training will be phased in small groups um, through to full squad sessions. No tackling, opposed activities of any kind uh, or congested training are allowed. Clubs can provide takeaway options for players. And that is it. So a bit about no tackling. <laughs> it's, it's a bit weird. 
but you know, I don't know how that can be enforced. It's going to be quite difficult, but I do think that if it's done right and the, the testing's done right and all the clubs are on, on the same page and what they're doing, um, you could probably create quite a safe environment um, for, for players to go into and do that. Um, but it's some of the it's it's when you go into some of the rule changes that are being brought in or could be brought in um, that make me feel a little bit uncomfortable. But I think that yeah, the, the the plan to come back if it's done right, I'm sure you can create quite a safe environment. But it's like I said on the the Premier League show, if, you know, if football came back and it and it caused one person to become seriously ill or one person to die because of the decision to bring football back, then it's not worth it. Yeah, I've got to echo what Jake says there. I'm a bit uneasy and sceptical about all this, to be honest. Um, I think ultimately, you know, testing is key. Jake mentioned that and that endless list of terms and conditions, you know, whether I can see all that falling into place, I'm really unsure. Um, I mean, my honest opinion would be that I don't think football should return at all. I think it should be a case of, you know, the, the season ends now, it's decided on points per game. Uh, three teams go up, you know, potentially three teams get relegated from the Premier League. But, you know, League One, League Two, I can't see resuming. Like we've talked about testing, it's supposedly going to cost about £10,000 per week for clubs to test their players. Um, so, yeah, for all those reasons, I'm, I'm a believer like Jake, if, if someone does get ill or, you know, consequently dies from COVID-19 when football does resume, then it's it's simply not worth it. I, I think that, you know, although I understand all the money that's at stake, you know, the TV revenue, the finances, uh, people's, you know, season tickets, we've already seen a lot of clubs uh, giving refunds on the remaining games uh, this season. I've, I'm a firm believer that even though it will be played behind closed doors, that potentially when football does resume we've give some dates there didn't you James like May 25th for training 12th of June for football beginning again uh, competitive fixtures by then I can really see you know a second wave in this country and and all those plans although it's a great idea at the minute you know when these dates arrive you know in two and four weeks time that it probably will all be up in the air again and you know there's there's no smoke without fire as such and I really think that it could be delayed again um, and for that reason like I said earlier I was skeptical and for me they should just finalize this season in in some way another way or another and I don't know how they would do that but you know in the fairest way possible um, but yeah that's my thoughts on on football resuming if it does at all. Yeah, I think what Jake mentioned there with it being quite a, a sterile sort of environment at the training grounds, I think, yeah, Jake hit nail on there, probably at training for the players, knowing that they are sort of being kept in small groups, they probably are less likely to catch anything than they would for, say, like a trip to the shops or, or a trip out. Obviously, you can't expect the players to to spend the next sort of however long training in small groups like that and then be thrown into a game situation it just isn't really sort of feasible obviously no tackling in training training in you know groups of four and five but then you put 22 people on a pitch where they are going to be in sort of tight areas close to people so it, it kind of undoes that work in training obviously I understand in training it's about minimizing the the risk of it but when you get to that game situation that that work that you do at training Sort of goes out the window really so 
it is a sort of a difficult one to sort of swave away with. I think what we do have sort of going for us in this country in England is the fact that leagues like Germany, for example, are resuming a few weeks ahead of us. So obviously there will be lessons to be learned from Germany. I can't imagine they will get it spot on straight away in terms of best practices and such. So we have that sort of opportunity to learn from what they're doing. And, and obviously no country is the same with how to handle the virus, but it does give you sort of an idea of what things are working, what things aren't working. So maybe we can put some of them into practice. I think what you said, Louis, about a potential sort of peak again in, in a few weeks' time, obviously the as I'm looking at the dates here, that June 12th, um, sort of start date for games is you know sort of three weeks after lockdown would have would have been eased so if symptoms are to, to take as, as we've been told sort of two to three weeks potentially to to be mm. shown we could be you know around that time for games starting again looking at the sort of the numbers creeping back up hopefully you know they don't and, and the general public do sort of adhere to that and and the cases and, and trends do continue to fall but obviously as we've seen sort of in the news I don't want to sort of bang too much into it you know people are sort of not really following those rules so I think as important as it is that the footballers themselves and staff adhere to these sort of rules and restrictions I think it's even more so important that you know the the general public are doing it as well because they've you know the players are doing it and they have a trip to the shop for example if they come into contact with someone in the queue, I don't know, it undoes all that work that the club is doing just off off one sort of individual in the shop. So I think it's going to be difficult. I think it will be very, very unlikely that if the season does start on June 12th, that it will go without sort of interruption, without any issues coming up. I think it probably will start, but then stop again, and, and it will be sort of stop-start teams like it's, Sort of happened in Germany, Dresden uh, have had to go into isolation for that. So their games for the next two weeks have been put on hold and then they have sort of tentative dates to play them. So I don't think it's going to run smoothly by any means, but it can only be done when it's when it's safe to do so. So then in terms of, obviously we've talked about the league restarting and plans that are in place. I'll come to you first, Jake, on this. If obviously Louis touched on, he doesn't think or think it's sensible to be starting the league again and, and the season should be wrapped up now what would be your sort of way of, of, sort of fair as possible working out how the league standings would go from the rest of the season I think in the championship especially we're quite lucky that I believe every team has played the same amount of games so would you do it on a points per game basis would you do it on where teams are in the table at the moment which obviously means teams in and around that playoff picture who are only, you know, one, two, three points outside will unfortunately miss out. What would be the way that you'd go about sort of finalising the table and then potentially the playoffs? Yeah, I think it's difficult. Um, it depends on what the Premier League does um, and, and if that season does finish but, and if that if the Premier League do manage to finish their season, which they're probably more likely to than the Championship because of the, the money involved and um, how, the, you know, the, just the general pulling uh, power they have in Parliament to, to, to get things done, I'm sure. Um, the Premier League will have a good go. Um, and if they do finish their season and three teams get relegated, then I guess you're going to have to find a way to promote three teams. Um, it's difficult. You had, I think it was the Norwich uh, Chief Executive, Stuart Webber, came out and said that, that there's currently um, concerns among those near the bottom of the table that if they manage to complete their season, um, it's unfair for three teams go down if, if the championship is then not finished and three teams come up in their place. I thought that, that sport and integrity was called into question. I can sort of 
sympathise with that a little bit. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be very difficult. Whatever happens, you're gonna get a lawsuit, um, and you're gonna get clubs challenging it. I, you know, I, I said on the Premier League show, even if um, the the virus disappeared tomorrow and we went back into full stadiums and played out the season, there'd be teams that complained about the stoppage having an, an adverse effect on their season. So whatever happens, there's going to be some some complaints somewhere. Um, I'd probably say points per game is probably the fairest one. Um, it's not fair, it's not really fair at all. None of it is fair. The, even playing out a, a 46 game season, sometimes it's not fair. <laughs> you know, it it's 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 just the 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 way we've come to do it. But there's always unfairness in football. Um, and if we want to move on and progress the sport and move on to next season, we're going to have to find a way. So I think points per game is probably the one. You might be, I think they've talked that you might still be able to play out the playoffs. Um, that might be something they might be able to do in a, I guess, a, a neutral venue in a sterile environment with four teams. That's a, a possibility um, that I'm sure has been looked into um, because, you know, there's, there's an obvious case for Leeds and, Leeds and West Brom going up because they're so far clear um, to promote... Um, I think Fulham are in third at the moment to promote them would would be slightly unfair um, because it's so close between um, them and the rest of the teams even you know down into to mid mid table a lot of teams that will think they've got a chance of getting into the playoffs um, so yeah I think that's that's probably how I'd go with it I'd I'd, I'd sell it points per game I'd promote Leeds and and West Brom and then try and create an environment where the playoffs can be played um, with the next. Uh, best fourteen. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I believe uh, points per game is going to be the best way to solve this. I mean, if I had to work my way up through all the divisions, it doesn't look like League One and League Two are going to conclude anyway. So in that respect, it'd be a case of the championship being worked out on a points per game ratio. None of the teams you know, let's say Charlton, Luton or Barnsley would be then relegated. They'd remain in this division next season. Um, Leeds and West Brom would then go up. They could potentially have a, you know, playoff scenario where only four or five games are played, which would include Fulham, Brentford, Forest and Preston, uh, which would obviously be behind closed doors. And then in the Premier League, the three teams what went up from the Championship, none would be relegated. So then in the Premier League, you could have a 23 um teams in the Premier League next season and then you award Liverpool the championship and I think like like Jake said doing it on a points per game ratio would be the fairest uh, way of doing that Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime round out Mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
the only thing yeah. I'd say on, on on that is I don't I don't think that you'd be able to get to the point where you're promoting teams but not relegating any. I think that's slightly. I, I think that's already been said by the FA that they're definitely going to have relegation. So you're going to have three teams coming down from the Premier League. You're going to have three teams going down from the Championship. So the biggest thing on points per game for me in the Championship would be I think Cholton dropped into the relegation zone on the final day that was played. So they've only yeah. spent I think one day in in the relegation zone, whereas I think Hull would drop in like a stone. So I think Cholton would be the big team to suffer if they did, um, if they did pursue relegation and promotion, which looks like seems to be a definite. There doesn't seem any argument against that um, from what the FA has, has said to both the Premier League and the Football League. So that's a big one for me, um, how they deal with that, because that's the one thing on a, on a points per game with relegation and promotion in the Championship that, that makes me feel a little bit uneasy as Charlton going down. Because I think that although they they would under those those that situation and and they very possibly could have went down if we played out the season. It, the fact they've only been in the relegation zone for for one week is it seems a little bit unfair for them. But as as we said, there's no perfect solution and somebody's going to suffer. Yeah, I think as you mentioned with the Charlton thing, there been a, a Preston fan obviously biased towards them out of the 37 game weeks this season. I think we've spent 25 of the 37 game weeks in the top six um, and about 20 in the top five. And if it goes off points per game, we actually miss out on the playoffs. To, I think it's Bristol City have only spent 13 game weeks in the top six. So for a team that spent almost double the amount of time in, in the top six this season than Bristol, it'd be you know, a real shame to miss out. I think looking at our form going into the or where the sort of the break was, you know, it could be argued that we could have dropped out the top six, but then you look down the rest of the table as well, and no one really around us. I think we touched on it on the show at the time was winning, so it was giving the likes of Leeds, West Brom, and, and Fulham a little bit to, to pull a little bit clear. So I think the fairest way to do it, even though I mean, it's, it's none of it's it's fair, would be to to sort of look at obviously points per game, but then if there's a team say like Preston, for example, who spent so much time in the top six throughout the season, it then seems, you know, a little bit unfair for them to miss out by, I think it's half a point we miss out by um, to a team that had spent a lot less time in the top six than us this season. So I think if there's a way that they can work it out sort of based on all of that to make it as fair as possible, obviously that'd be the, the way to go. But I think regardless of which way they do it, as you mentioned, Jake, there are going to be sort of lawsuits and, and teams that do feel hard done by um, so I don't, I don't think there's sort of a, a definitive way which they can do it. They've obviously just got to, to find the, the best way that, that suits sort of the majority of teams, I guess. The, the other thing I was just going to mention, and you've hit the nail on the head, is about obviously everything being fair. But, you know, let's say football does resume and, you know, testing gets underway. You could also say then it's unfair that, you know, a couple of let's let's use Charlton as a, as a great example who was sat 22nd if a, if a couple of their players then test positive for covid-19 you know a couple of first team players then they're going to obviously miss out because of it so then like you mentioned lawsuits and you know everything being fair then it could be a case that you know even when football does resume it's it's going to be unfair cuz players are going to miss out from through illness aren't they so it's you know there's there's no way of solving this fairly you know ultimately whether it's done points per game or even football resumes in my eyes 
Yeah, I agree with you there as well. I think, um, obviously, it's one way or another, I think if the season does get started, it's, it's as we touched on at the start, it's going to sort of bring the, the integrity of this season into it. I think, obviously, this season, or good on in the history books, been marked with an asterisk next to it, regardless of what happens in it. Do I think Preston would have got promoted anyway if the season was just to continue sort of as it was? I don't think so. Uh, and that's me being as optimistic as possible. Obviously, anything can happen in the remaining nine games and in the playoffs. But I think the way we were playing, we probably would have just missed out on, on the playoffs for, for one of the teams below us. Um, we touched on Luton a little bit. Um, I think it was you, Jake, who, who touched on Luton as we were sort of going through the relegations there. Obviously, the major news away from sort of COVID-19 over the last few weeks has been kind of tied into that. But it's a managerial change with Graham Jones leaving the club. Um, I'm reading the, the BBC Sports article on it now, and it says that the... Sort of Luton board and and Jones came to a mutual decision in order to reduce its cost base. Were you surprised that, given sort of the timing of it, he's left now? Obviously, Luton, I think, have only won ten of their thirty-seven games this season. We did say at the start of the season that it would be difficult for them to to stay up this season. Obviously, they're probably about where I thought they would be. But has that come as a surprise with only nine games left and a new manager? probably not going to be given that time to work with the players in training. Yeah, I think that for me, it, it was a bit of a weird one because I thought Luton had decided to turn the corner um, before football um, curtailed for, for the moment. They'd won a few matches, um, they were closing the gap on those above them. Still looked unlikely they were going to stay up, but they'd given themselves a chance. Um, and and it seemed like Jones was... was finally taken to being a manager after so long being a number two to Roberto Martinez so yeah you know if you look at their last um, six matches before they won three of them drew two lost one so it's quite a good record really um, and if they'd have continued that and picked up a few more wins they, they would have had a chance but I, I think it's probably been a decision that's been pushed forward by the virus um, they've probably decided to make it now to, to cut costs and to um, cut costs uh, during this time because um, I'm sure he's probably one of the best paid, paid employees at the club um, so yeah it, it makes sense in that regard but it doesn't make me feel a little bit bit odd that, that it's been made now and, and it, it, a man has lost his job because of the situation we're in uh, like so many people have across the country so I think it's a bit of a weird one but if they would have went down, they probably would have made that change anyway. So I can I can see it from both points of view. But yeah, I, I think it's it's very strange. Not only that that it happened during the the season not being played, but also it happened weeks into this this uh, lockdown and, and period of our football. It wasn't like it was made instantly, um, and that again makes me feel a little bit bit, bit off about it. Yeah, Jake's took the words out of my mouth there, really. Uh, everything that is said, you know, Luton find themselves six points behind Hull, which are just above the relegation zone. Um, I think that, you know, with everything what happened with the virus, Luton probably just simply made the mistake of not sacking him sooner. Maybe it could be a case of that. Um, I know we said about finances and he's, he's one of the better paid you know employees at Luton uh, but it could be a case of that you know it, it were always on the horizon anyway and I know Jake's touched on that they had a turn in form you know managing to be unbeaten in the last three but ultimately like I've just said they were six points behind Hull they looked like they were 
potentially going to be relegated and maybe still will be depending on the outcome of, of this season. But I think, yeah, again, it was a case that they probably just waited a month um, too late to sack him and they probably done should have done so uh, sooner rather than later. And I think that's, you know, in many ways, probably what it boiled down to. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that decision probably was coming whether they, if they went down, which it was looking likely that they were going to. Um, I think they would have got rid of him in the summer anyway. Probably a mutual agreement in the summer as well if, if they had gone down. As Jake touched on, they were turning a corner six points behind at this stage of the season for a team who, you know, had been inconsistent and not winning enough matches regardless of them sort of getting into a little bit of form, I think they've left themselves with a bit too much to do. Um, obviously, a couple of wins back-to-back, back, that could have all changed, but I think the position that they were in, it was looking likely that they were going to go down. Um, sort of regardless, a whole other teams above them were starting to pick up points as well. So while they were still on that decent-ish run of form, they weren't really you know, pulling out of the relegation zone. So I think... In terms of him leaving, it did come as a bit of a surprise. But when you look deeper into it, in terms of the finances, obviously, I think Luton, one of, if not the the smaller clubs in the division in terms of, uh, you know, finances. So it doesn't make sort of for, for pretty reading that, that a manager has lost his job because of this situation. But I think, you know, it was something to potentially be expected. In terms of who replaces him then, um, do either of you two sort of have a, a potential candidate that you'd like to see come in? Um, I don't really have many names, to be honest. It's not something I've, I've thought about. I think that Mick Harford's the guy they've given the caretaker to, uh, and he was the, he took over last year um, following the um, the exit of um, Jones to, to Stoke. So he'll be... Um, he 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 knows the club. He's obviously been an employee there for, for a long time. He he did pretty well in his spell um, as caretaker last year. Got them to promotion. Um, so yeah, he, I think he's a, a safe pair of hands till the end of the season. Um, and then I'm sure they'll probably look once this all settles down and and the transfer window opens and and managers start to to make moves. They'll they'll probably look for a more longer term um, appointment. You might, they might even be tempted to go back for, for Nathan Jones, who obviously is, is without a club at the moment, um, did very well there before. Um, so yeah, he's one that they might go back to. It wouldn't be the worst thing. They, they, Luton were in a much better place um, tactically and, and uh, squad-wise when he was manager, and he was in a much better place when he was the manager there rather than his, his move to Stoke. So it might be that they both come back together in League One and, and try to repair each other's reputations. But yeah, that's the only name I can think of um, without doing any extensive research. It's not one that's <laughs> come out too too much out of left field there. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Jake. I'm just looking at the odds now. And basically, I know is we're in a scenario where there's no football being played and they might not even employ anyone for the remainder of the season. But uh, Nathan Jones is uh, basically odds on to get that job. Uh, one pound ten to one pound to to get that. Um, so yeah, like I say, odds on Mick Harford second eleven to one. Um, so yeah, Nathan Jones is a complete front runner. Other names around there: Andy Myers, Nigel Adkins, Steve Rutter. But they're all like fifteen to one. So um, for the time being, I've, you know we can't disagree with the bookies there. I think Nathan Jones is the front runner, and, and rightly so. And like you say, could be could be in charge if 
you know, from next season, whether they stay in this division or, or they're in League One. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think Nathan Jones would be a sensible appointment, obviously, when they are able to resume looking for a new manager. I think work will probably be going on behind the, the scenes at the moment, getting plans in place. But obviously, as we've said in this episode, everything's up in the air at the moment. But I would like to see Jones return. I think, as you touched on, Jake, they seem to be sort of two parties that fit together quite nicely. And obviously, if they are in League One next season, Jones has, you know, that experience of basically getting Luton promoted. I know he wasn't there sort of on the sort of the final stretch for them, but all that hard work that he'd done through the sort of the start and middle portion of the season was was down to him and the, the squad that he had. So I would like to see him go back there and, and potentially, you know, rebuild his reputation and, and get back to sort of where he was sort of 18 months or so ago. Um, but with that, we're out of time. If you two want to let everyone know any projects you're involved in, anything at all, now's a good time. Yeah, I was on the Premier League show this week. It's, it's one of the few things I've done um, in the last few weeks to give that on a list. And we talked a little bit more about uh, Project Restart and the return of football and what it might mean and, and possible issues. Um, so yeah, give that one a listen. It will be on the same feed, uh, the EPL Roundtable feed, which brings me on nicely to a new show that the, the channel has brought out this week, uh, which has been done by Jamie and Kev from the Premier League show. Uh, it's Bundesliga for beginners. So it's the two of them making their journey through learning about German football and getting excited about the return of football with other people coming on who probably know a little bit more. Um, so yeah, give that on a listen. I think it's it's worth worth um, giving it a go before the Bundesliga returns this weekend. Yeah, and you can find me at Louis Shackshaft on Twitter. I've done a couple of pieces uh, for the Yorkshire Post regarding Sheffield Wednesday and their history that you can check out on my Twitter page. Uh, other than that, for me, it's just a case of waiting for football to return and my Sheffield Wednesday statistics will be back if, like I say, if football does make a comeback in the next few weeks. Um, but other than that, now that's me. Yeah, and you can follow me on my Twitter, which is at underscore James Vickers. Uh, unlike Jake, I've been sort of inundated, actually getting sort of chance to speak about the Bundesliga now uh, which is always a pleasure um, I've started doing the Footy Accumulators Bundesliga betting show with Will Perry from BBC Sport and Alan McNally from uh, Sky Sports, ex Bayern Munich and, and Aston Villa striker uh, so definitely check that out, that'll be a weekly show coming out on a Thursday uh, and I've started my own podcast as well which is at Ball in the Corner on Twitter as well uh, we've had the likes of John Parkin and Chris Brown on so far who've played in the championship for a, a whole host of clubs so definitely check those out uh, and more importantly you can follow us on our twitter page which is at championship pod each episode will be pinned on there so give us a follow when you won't miss an upload uh, guys pleasure doing this again um i'd imagine we'll be back in the next couple of weeks as well when we know a bit more uh, potentially previewing the games that are to come in the, the start of june if everything goes to plan uh, but until then we'll see you next time Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.